What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to Super Wild Card Weekend for my 11th NFL pick show uh, all time. Again, my 11th year doing this, and we're into the playoffs, folks, and there's no more exciting time in the football season then when you head into it's one and done it is pass fail you either get it done or you don't get it done now since i didn't stream last week and didn't have a show period last week let's get you caught up on what my overall results were for the regular season the last two weeks week 17 and week 18 I was on a real hot streak there straight up. I went 12 and 3 in week 17. My week 17 picks were of course on my Twitter. And in last week week 18, I went 13 and 3. So like man, a super super hot streak there to end the regular season straight up. I finished with a straight up record of 165, 104 and 2, my first time in the mid 160s uh for a couple of years, which is very exciting. Uh, against the spread, I went 10-5 and 1 with my picks last week, which were once again on my Twitter. So 10-5 and 1 against the spread, a solid end of the season, and I finished the season, the regular season, 5 games above 500 against the spread at 134 129 and 8 uh, my totals completely fell off a cliff and i said that a little earlier in the stream before we started recording 4 and 12 on the totals last week which is absolutely disgusting uh, if you faded all of those total picks that i had on twitter boy you had yourself a massive week and i congratulate you so I finished the season, uh, what is that? That's 17 games under 500 on the totals at 127, 144, and 1. Woof. That was super rough. The Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze picks from Week 18 uh, was kind of 50-50. I, I evened out at 6-6. Six and six. My Silver and Bronze picks were only 1-2. and two. Silver pick finishes the season 33-21. and 21. Bronze pick finishes 29-23-2. and two. Uh, I did have Cincinnati over Baltimore in the Silver pick, but in the Bronze, I did have Green Bay beating Detroit, and they lost that game outright. Uh, in the silver pick, the Raiders failed to cover against the spread and the Chargers and Broncos failed to stay under. And in the bronze pick, I did have Carolina cover against the spread as they won their game outright, but the Bucks and the Falcons failed to stay under their point total as well. A little bit better news in the platinum and the gold. Each of those picks were two and one gold pick finishing 28, 25 and one on the season platinum pick finishing one better at 29, 24 and one. I did go 2-0 straight up in those picks. Philly beat the Giants and Jacksonville beat Tennessee. Also went 2-0 against the spread, which is cool with both the Giants and Niners covering huge numbers. The Niners as favorites, the Giants as underdogs. Missed both the total plays. In the platinum pick, it was Minnesota and Chicago going over. They did not. And in the gold pick, it was Baltimore and Cincinnati staying under, and they did not. So basically... If I tell you a total, you really want to heavily consider doing the opposite of what I tell you to do. So overall on the season, in my platinum picks, straight up I was 13, 4, and 1. Against the spread, I was 8 and 10. And on the totals, I was 8 and 10. So great work straight up. Definitely need some more work on the betting picks.
The gold pick was 14 and 4 overall this year. Against the spread, 9, 8, and 1. Over under 5 and 13 on the totals. Bleh. Disgusting. The silver pick, 15 and 3 straight up. Against the spread, I was 10 and 8. We'll certainly take that. The total play was 8 and 10. And the bronze pick, 12 and 6 straight up. 8, 8, and 2 against the spread. And an even money 9 and 9 on the totals, which was my most successful play of the season on the totals, was the bronze pick. Now, taking a peek at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool, which I will remind everyone that is in that pool, it continues throughout the playoffs. So do not stop making picks just because it's playoff time. It continues throughout the playoffs. Because of the strength of my last two weeks, I've shot all the way up to 7th place out of 37 in that pool with 1,467 out of 2,186 possible confidence points. It's a clip of just over 67%. I brought in 120 of 136 confidence points in week 18 for a clip of just over 88% to finish 2nd place. Now, if you go back to my picks from week 17... I actually won week 17 in the pool. I was the number one player in week 17. Uh, let's see, I had 102 of 120 confidence points, of course, after the cancellation of the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. I was 12-3 and three in that week. It was good enough to win the week. This week, I came in second place to Return of the Crack, who has a massive... 15 and one week in week 18 just huge 125 of 136 possible confidence points which means their one loss was for 11 points it was it almost cost them but that was 91.9 point or percent of the points brought in in week 18 so a massive performance for return of the crack anthony simone is basically our regular season winner currently our overall leader at 178 91 and 2 1,528 of 2,186 confidence points, and it's 69.9%. What have I been telling you all season long? Eventually, the person that wins this pool is almost inevitably in and around that 70% mark for the confidence points. 69.9% at the end of the regular season. All I, I couldn't have been any more perfect basically than I was unless I said the champion will have 69.9% of the points. No, 70% is usually where it lands. Anthony Simone proves me to be correct in saying that. So we're going to just pop into the chat here before we move forward. Uh, let's see 49ers Vikings bills money line uh, 20 to win 40 like that. Then Tampa Bay money line on Monday 20 to win 43 just outright. Very, very cool. Tampa does come into this game uh, the game, the, the final game, the Monday night game at home against Dallas as a three point dog. So that'll be interesting to talk about. So we move uh, back. So if you go to the description of this live stream, the description of the VOD of the podcast episode, however you interact with this show, you're going to find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for Super Wild Card Weekend. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick and Pool for Season 11 of this show. It is never too late because the game does go through the playoffs. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. 
Ladies and gentlemen, nerdtees.ca is exactly where you need to go to find dozens and dozens of incredible loose leaf tea blends, as well as blends of flavored coffee, which Nerd Tees has dove into this year. There's just all kinds of good stuff available on nerdtees.ca. And when you go there, you're going to want to use my promo code. My promo code is BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over a hundred bucks. Or if you're one of my American viewers, you get a great conversion rate on the US dollar. Today's blend is one of my absolute favorites. In fact, probably my singular favorite. And that is watermelon oolong. Smells delicious. Tastes fantastic. Watermelon oolong is just one of the incredible options that you're going to find on nerdtees.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST. Get your 15%, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. Now, before we dive into the six games that we have to talk about for Super Wildcard Weekend, you know that there's plenty of things that I track over the course of the full season. I threw some of them on Twitter a little bit earlier, but I just want to run some of them by you here. Look, I track the rule of four. That's my baby. I came up with that. I tracked the rule of four, had a massive monstrous season, 16 and two. In fact, in the NFL this year was the rule of four. And of course the rule of four states that in any given week, at least four betting underdogs will win their game straight up. Not just cover, win their game outright. So what that means is 16 times in the 18 weeks of the 2022 season, at least four betting underdogs won their games outright. This is the second straight year that the rule of four has been 16 and two. So it is on a massive white hot streak, just under 80% overall since I've been tracking it starting back in the 2016 season. I also like to track, of course, teams that are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. I track that all season long. There were 75 such games or 75 such teams this season. They were only 31 and 44 straight up in that second game of back-to-back -back road games. So that makes a significant difference. They lost, what, 13 more games than they won over the course of the whole season. Against the spread, they performed better. They were even money, 37, 37, and one against the spread. So definitely more likely to cover than they were to win the game outright. I also track, of course, how betting favorites do, ATS favorites against closing lines, and the totals, how uh, the NFL season plays out vis-a-vis -vis overs hitting on the betting totals versus unders hitting. So against the spread favorites this year were only 45% against the spread. They were 122, 148, and 1 against the spread. That is any betting favorite against the spread and against the closing line of their game only 45 percent and on the totals the over was only 116 154 and one on the year that is under 43 percent the unders came to play this year to the point that i put this tweet on twitter and you know what i'm actually going to take two seconds to pull it up because it's literally one of my favorite things that i have ever put on twitter i believe the math is correct hopefully it is or i'm going to look like a bit of a fool here follow me here if you would have started from game one of this regular season game one of the 2022 season 
blindly betting one unit, whatever your unit is, if it's $10, if it's $100, whatever it is, blindly betting one unit at minus 110 on the closing lines for both against the spread underdogs and the under on the total. So for every single game, you make two bets. You blindly bet whoever the underdog is against the spread and the under on the game. Just blindly bet it for every single game this season. You would have ended the season 55.7% on all of your bets plus 36 and a half units. So if your units are $10, you're up about 365 bucks. If your unit is $100, you're up about 3,600 bucks. And that's blindly betting with putting zero thought into the picks. You say, okay, they're the underdog, take the points. That's the total, bet the under. No thought put into it whatsoever. This season, you would have been an elite level sports better <laughs> if that's what you would have done. It's crazy to look at just how strong the under and taking the points was this year. It was a massive advantage to betters this year. You'd have thought I'd have done a little better against the spread, but hey, I was above 500. All right, without further ado, we will jump right into these games for Super Wildcard Weekend. Of course, here is your lineup. The Seattle Seahawks are in San Francisco to take on the Niners. That, of course, a division matchup. We've got the Chargers in Jacksonville to take on the Jags. We've got Miami in Buffalo to take on the Bills, yet another division matchup. We've got the Giants in Minnesota taking on the Vikings. Baltimore is in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals battle of the AFC North and the Dallas Cowboys are in Tampa Bay taking on the Bucks. The Bucks and the Jags both come into this week's games as betting underdogs at home. So let's start with that Seattle and San Francisco matchup Seahawks in San Fran taking on the 49ers. So the Niners are going to come into this game on a 10-game winning streak. They've won 10 consecutive games coming in. Seattle, no slouches. They won back-to-back -back games to finish the season to really force their way into the NFC playoff picture and ultimately grab that final playoff spot when Detroit upset the Packers in the final game of the regular season. But look, two-game winning streak, Seattle did exactly what they needed to do. And all year long, that was propelled by the offense. They were not a top 10 total offense, but the Seahawks did manage to scrape together a top 10 scoring offense season. Look, backed by Geno Smith, a quarterback. Again, nobody thought that they would ever be there after getting rid of Russ. Geno Smith comes in. He has himself a pretty excellent season. I feel like he's put himself in great position to win comeback player of the year because look at that you come in with no expectations the beneficiary of low or no expectations you put together a season that takes your team to the playoffs that's got to be worth something the san francisco 49ers are a top five total offense a top 10 scoring offense and top five score uh total defenses and scoring defenses so look the niners were dominant all season long you didn't need you didn't need to hear the 10 game win streak to know that but they were absolutely dominant all year long san francisco also the number one team in the nfl in terms of the turnover ratio i believe they were plus 13 uh 
overall on the season. So look, you play 17 games, you're plus 13 in the turnover ratio. You're definitely doing something right. They were an opportunistic football team. They limited their mistakes and they were able to capitalize on the mistakes of their opponents. Seattle didn't exactly light the league on fire against the spread this year. They were only 7-10 and 10 overall. They were 3-4 and four on the road, which of course the situation they're in this week. And 6-5 and five as betting dogs, which they are very heavy betting underdogs in this game. They were 6-5. and five. That's a pretty decent record as a betting dog. The Niners were very, very good against the spread this year. 11 and 6 overall, 7 and 2 at home, and 10 and 5 as a betting favorite. So they were a betting favorite in all but two games this year and were 10 and 5 against the spread in those games. So they were getting big numbers because they are a dominant team. They still covered them two out of every three. So San Francisco, suffice it to say, had themselves a pretty excellent year. Uh, taking a peek at the weather situation uh, coming into the game, this is like the one game where I think the weather may actually play a role in it. Uh, it is supposed to rain at SoFi. The winds are supposed to be on what I would call the high end of moderate, uh, sustained about 17, 18 miles an hour. So that can certainly have an impact on the deep passing game. That may impact Seattle a little bit more than it impacts San Francisco. I don't see... Brock Purdy stretching the field quite as much as Geno Smith. Now, when either team does it, they're going to be impacted by the wind, certainly. But I think it might have a bit more of an impact uh, on the Seahawks. 55 degrees, no problem there at all. It is going to be 80% on the humidity, so it is going to be a little bit humid. Um, but I think both teams are relatively comfortable playing in conditions like that, given that they're both on the West Coast. Uh, Gorian comes in. They lost five in a row before the last two. This is true. They did win back-to-back -back games, but they lost a bunch of games before that, which kind of put them in that position of, oh my God, are we going to make the playoffs or not? So that's an excellent point, Gorian. I appreciate that. All told, outside of some catastrophic injury, this is... This remains too much versus not enough. Like, there are very few teams that I think are going to be able to step to the San Francisco 49ers, and I just don't see Seattle being that team. Props to them, kudos to them for making the playoffs. They've got like a top five pick with Denver and made the postseason, so that is that they are playing with house money at this point. They're going to have that playoff game. It's going to be an awesome experience for them to have made the playoffs yet again, and uh, it's going to last one game because the Niners are going to walk in there and, and have themselves a field day, I believe. Let's take the Niners at home to get the win over their division rival. Now, on the line, the Niners are laying 10 points here as a home favorite. I don't love betting double-digit spreads. I don't love betting double-digit spreads in division games especially. Usually, I completely stay away from them. There's just something special about the Niners. So I think I've got to lay those points. It feels kind of gross, but I think I have to lay the points. This is, it's a very, when I came up with the final score for this game, I'm like, that feels like a very credible final score for this game. And uh, I think I got to go with it. So maybe against my better judgment here, I'm going to lay the minus 10 on San Francisco. Total in the game set at 42 and a half points. Despite the weather restriction or restrictions, despite the weather conditions, 
I think I'm going to go over on this. It's such a beatable number at 42 and a half. There's so many offensive weapons on both of these teams. Uh, Seattle's defense, they were a bottom 10 total defense. They were a bottom 10 scoring defense. So they definitely gave up their share of points this year. I think San Francisco is going to be able to hit 30 in this game. And if they do, it's it's pretty tough to not hit the over here. So we're going to go ahead and grab over 42 and a half points in San Francisco, Seattle. Let's go Niners 30, Seahawks 14. So we got the Niners winning, got the Niners covering minus 10 points and give me the over on 42 and a half. Let's go to Jacksonville now where the Jags, the unlikely champions of the AFC South, are going to play host to the Los Angeles Chargers in a game that Vegas doesn't really know what to do with. So the Chargers come into this game on the tail end of back-to-back road games. Jacksonville comes into this game on a five-game winning streak. That is a team that is flying high and after getting the opportunity to watch them in prime time in that game at home against Tennessee with the division on the line, I came up with two distinct impressions of the Jags. That is, they're a fun team to watch on offense, and they run about 20% too much play action. Um, If they ran 20% less play action until their run game was more consistent. Like, their run game has been really good at times this year. Travis Etienne is a very talented back. But it hasn't been consistent. Like, it hasn't been consistently good. And we saw that in that game against Tennessee. Tennessee gave them almost nothing on the ground. But they were still running a bunch of play action. And I'm like, but your run game's not a threat. You run play action when your run game is actually a threat. And they have to kind of sell out to stop your run game. That's when play action is most effective, but they were still running a ton of play action. I was like, just gear that back like 20, 25%. And I think you'll be better off. So, uh, but they were a super fun offense to watch. Trevor Lawrence is very, very economical and efficient with the football. He's a good quarterback. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see how he has progressed in the post urban Meyer uh, era there in Jacksonville. The Chargers were a top 10 total offense in most other ways, top 10 uh, scoring defense, total defense, and scoring offense. They were kind of middle of the road, but they were able to move the ball fairly well this year. Jacksonville was also a top 10 total offense, but they were also a top 10 scoring offense. So they were able to translate that into points more frequently than were the Chargers. Now they did give that back a little bit by being a bottom 10 total defense. So teams were certainly able to move the football on them uh, a little bit easier than they were against the average team. And I think that comes into play here uh, in a pretty significant way when you have a team like the Chargers on the other side that have the offensive weapons that they do. Uh, the Chargers 11-5-1 against the spread this year, 7-2 and on the road. Very, very solid results against the spread on the road this year. Seven and two were the Chargers. They were six, four, and one as marginal betting favorites, which they are in this game. Betting favorites, they were six, four, and one against the spread. Solid results. The Jags, just a little bit under 500 against the spread at eight and nine this year. They were four and three in their home building, but were only seven and five as betting underdogs. So, They did do well, like that's seven against the spread wins as betting underdogs. That's solid. Uh, This matchup is tough 
this matchup is not as easy as I kind of thought it was going to look uh, on paper once I really sat down and got to brass tacks. Uh, this is a, a fairly tough matchup. I think where I land on this one is I don't expect a ton of points to be scored, despite the fact that we're looking at like the the second highest total of the week. I don't see a ton of points in this matchup. It's ideal weather conditions, but I still, I think points are going to come at a premium here. And in that, I'm looking at the team that I think is going to make the fewest amount of mistakes. And I think that team is the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball easier on the Jags than the Jags will be able to move it on the Chargers. Despite the fact that the Chargers, we are looking at a situation where there are some injuries that you got to watch out for if you're the Chargers. We don't know whether Mike Williams is going to play. We don't know whether uh, Joey Bosa is going to play. So those are questions that need to be answered here for the rest of the week as to whether they're going to play or not. I think they both have questionable tags right now. Joey Bosa is dealing with a number of injuries, so he might be on the worst side of questionable than Mike Williams is. But even given that, I think the Chargers wind up making one fewer mistake in this game than the Jags do. And I think that winds up being the difference in the game. So I'm going to grab the Chargers here. Uh, I'm going to grab Los Angeles in Jacksonville to get the win. And Los Angeles are marginal one and a half point favorites in this matchup, despite the fact that they're on the road, despite the fact that, of course, the Jags won their division. Uh, so the Chargers, I got them covering the minus 1.5. This is a one of those 2-0 and or 0-2 games that I've talked about. This is either one where you're going to get both of them or you're going to get neither because the, the spread play is just so marginal. So we're going to go ahead and lay the minus 1.5 on the Chargers because I like them to win and that's a pretty small price to pay. Total in this game is set at 47 and a half points and like I said, I think points come at a premium in this matchup. This is actually my favorite total play of the week. Uh, I, 47 and a half, I'm under on this real heavy. I don't think this game gets to 40. It's not that there's not talented offensive players on both sides because there certainly are. This just smells to me like a matchup where there will be mistakes on both sides. Points will come at a premium. The defenses will probably look a little bit better than they actually are. Uh, I love the under in this one. Uh, we're going to go under 47 and a half points in Los Angeles, Jacksonville. Let's go 21-16 in favor of the Chargers. So we're going to go Chargers win. Chargers cover the minus 1.5 and give me the under on the points when you put these two teams like with their over under results all season yeah you go with everything i think it's like 60 40 to hit the under and the fact that you gave me the second highest total of the week i'm just gonna say thank you very much and grab the under on those points uh let's see gorian chips in saying coach jb said carol will beat kyle shanahan i disagreed yeah that's Shanahan's a great coach, and that is an impeccable football team. That's a very, very, very tall task. But I will say this. If Seattle does win that game, all bets are off for the rest of the playoffs. <laughs> like, all bets are off for the rest of the postseason if that happens. Because that's the first game. So if that happens, it's just like, okay, like, throw the rule book out for the rest of these playoffs. Uh, it's playoffs they'll play, says Gorian. I'm assuming that's referring to Mike Williams and Joey Bosa. More than likely, but you know, with Joey Bosa, he's missed time over his career, right? So you never, you never can tell. 
Uh, I hesitate to play this. If I had two chargers as the team. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page there, Gorian. All right, let's go to Buffalo now. The Bills playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, the biggest question mark here for the Dolphins is who's going to be playing quarterback. Tua, to my knowledge, is still in the concussion protocol. Teddy Bridgewater is dealing with like a thumb injury. Like he's going to play. Like he'll like if if it's him, he's playing. But is he at a hundred percent? It's tough to say that. There's all kinds of question marks here. I know Jalen Waddell got dinged up. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Taron Armstead has like. 16 different injuries that he's dealing with he's dealing with an ankle he's dealing with a knee he's dealing with a peck he's dealing with a hip like if Taron Armstead doesn't play in this game like Buffalo's got a got good pass rushers on that defensive line so that could make life very difficult for whoever that quarterback happens to be there's a lot of question marks heading into this one Buffalo winners of seven straight games uh, to close out the season. Of course, they had that game, uh, the game canceled in week 17, but winners of seven straight, uh, they were a top five total offense, a top five scoring offense. You've got a top 10 total defense and a top five scoring defense. So Buffalo, man, obviously they had an exceptional season across the board. The Miami Dolphins come into this game as one of just three playoff teams who were in the negative in terms of the turnover differential this year. I believe they were either minus two or minus three. I want to say they were minus three. So one of just three teams to be in the negatives, but still make the play. No, I'm sorry. Miami was like minus seven. Miami was, Miami was the worst playoff team in terms of the turnover differential. They were the minus seven. The other two teams are Kansas City and Tampa. They were minus two and minus three. But yeah, Miami's turnover differential, not great this year, but they somehow did manage to sneak in to this final playoff spot. And I 100% agree with Gorian in the chat. The Steelers would have been a better game. I agree, 100%. I really wanted to see the Steelers in this spot. Somebody outside honks, so I wave out the window. That's just how popular this show is. People that don't even know what's going on are still honking about it. So the Dolphins, top 10 total offense. They were also a bottom 10 scoring defense. So there were points to be had against this Miami Dolphins defense, making it, uh, you know, this this a tough draw for them. There were better draws for the Dolphins in the AFC, but having to play the Bills, don't like it. Don't like it. Uh, the Dolphins were 9-8 and eight against the spread this year, only 4-5 and five, uh, on the road, and only 4-3 and three as a betting underdog, which they are fairly heavy in this game. The Bills, they didn't exactly light the league on fire against the spread either. They were 8-7-1, favorites in every single game, so only 8-7-1 as betting favorites, and they were only 3-4 and four against the spread at home. So there's, there's again, there's there's... There were wins to be had against the spread against the Bills this year. But, I mean, look, the Bills are a good football team top to bottom. So, tough to beat them on the scoreboard, but can certainly be beaten with Vegas's lines. It's going to be cold. Uh, There's not going to be a lot of wind in the game. It's going to be a little humid. Uh, fairly ideal conditions, I would think. I don't think the weather's going to severely impact the final score of the game one way or the other. I mean, I'm, a, I'm on the Bills here all day. I think this is a very comfortable matchup for them. It's a division rival that they know very well. This will be the sixth time, in fact, that the Bills and the Dolphins have played each other 
uh, since the start of the calendar year of 2021. So these two teams have played each other a lot. They know each other very well. But this is a matchup I think Buffalo is very comfortable with in the first round. And I got Buffalo getting the win. Let's take the Bills at home to beat the Dolphins. Now on the line, Buffalo's favored by nine points. Uh, this was ten and a half earlier today. So this line is moving. There is money coming in on the Miami Dolphins against the spread. I'm going to grab onto that. I'm not going to grab onto them winning, obviously, but I am going to grab onto the plus nine against the spread because the last two games head to head between these two teams have been nail biters. They've been with, like within a field goal. So I'm going to grab the plus nine uh, here with the Miami Dolphins, but take the Bills to win the game outright. Now, yes, granted, Tua did play in both of those games uh, earlier this season, both of them, I believe. So, you know, if he doesn't play, that does definitely change things. But I think division opponents, I think they'll play each other uh, closer than, uh, than the Niners and the Seahawks will. So we're going to take the plus nine. Total in the game here set at 45 and a half. It's a pretty good total. Like, I kind of think that's going to be fairly close to what we see for a for a uh, for a final point total so uh it's a tough one i think i'm gonna slide under on this one because again i don't know what the offensive upside of the miami dolphins is going to be in this game so i think we'll play it safe and we will stick with the under here under 45 and a half in buffalo miami but I'm going to go 24-17. I think these two teams stay more competitive than what that spread is. Buffalo still wins, but I'm going to take the plus nine with the Dolphins and give me the under on the points. The chat is not happy with me right now. <laughs> like The chat is not pleased with me. I see Half Moon is in the chat here now too. Jags versus Seahawks Super Bowl in Arizona with a smiley face. Uh, let's see. I had Miami to enter the playoffs on a ticket at the beginning of the season. The last game, they barely beat the Jets nine to six, sweated that horrible game. That must not have been a great experience to have to sweat a Jets Dolphins game in week 18. Fair enough. I, 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 uh, I sympathize with you on that one. Uh, Gorian says my, the Dolphins lose by two scores. Uh, half moon, uh, reiterates that with Skyler Buffalo 32, Miami six. So. Let's go to Minnesota now. The Giants on the road in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Uh, the Giants are coming into this on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Uh, Minnesota, marginal favorite here at home at just minus three. So it's another one of those games that I think Vegas basically thinks is a coin flip. They're going to give the Vikings the three-point home edge here. But uh, look, th this Giants team is the Jekyll and Hyde of the NFL for me this year because at times they look like they're something special and then at times they look like the Giants. So it's it's a it's a tough um it's a tough thing to figure out. It's a tough it's a tough picture to try to put put you know try to put the pieces together. Solve this thing like Sherlock Holmes. The Giants were a middle of the road offense in most ways. Middle of the road in terms of total offense, middle of the road in terms of scoring offense. Uh, they were also middle of the road in terms of scoring defense. You could move the ball on the Giants this year. They were bottom 10 total defense, so you could definitely move the ball on them. The Vikings, top 10 in terms of total offense, top 10 in terms of scoring offense. So with the ball in their hands, this Vikings team is good. 
with the ball out of their hands, this Vikings team was a tire fire. So the Vikings were a bottom five total defense this year and a bottom five scoring defense this year. They were bad, all the way bad defensively. Uh, I don't know right off the top of my head who their D coordinator is. I don't think he will be their D coordinator heading into next year. That defense needs a complete overhaul. It's got some pieces on it, but that defense needs wholesale changes heading into next year. Especially now that they know, like, look, Green Bay's window may have closed or may be closing. The division feels like it's up for grabs. Detroit is getting better. Chicago's about to have the first overall pick. Like, Minnesota needs to revamp and kind of go for it now. You saw shades of it this year, but they need to play better on defense. Against the spread this year, the Giants were one of the darlings of the NFL. 13-4 and four against the spread this season, 6-1 and one on the road, and 10-2 and two against the spread as betting underdogs, which they are in this game. Minnesota, middling results all year long. Only 7-9-1 against the spread, 4-5 and five at home against the spread this year, and only 6-5-1 as a betting favorite. So very difficult to try to bet with or against the Vikings this year because it genuinely felt like flipping a coin in most instances. Kind of like the Buffalo game, it is going to be cold. There's a chance of some precipitation late in the game, but it won't impact the vast majority of the football game. So other than it being cold, I think the conditions are going to be fine. Not a lot of wind. You know what? I saw a thing on Twitter earlier today talking about Daniel Jones. Let's talk about Daniel Jones for a second. So I saw a thing talking about Daniel Jones that talks about him and his representation looking for a contract extension in and around like $40 million. And that's kind of the sad state of affairs as it is in the the quarterback market right now. Hopefully this is a lie because what Daniel Jones has done to earn a $40 million payday, he's talking like he's Lamar Jackson. And like, that's not the case. He's talking like he's Trevor Lawrence. That's not even the case. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He's had moments, Daniel Jones has. And granted, he's had a ton of wide receiver injuries. So we may not actually know what the best Daniel Jones is. We may not have seen it. But we have to see something in order to justify a $40 million payday. It seems nuts to me. Genuinely nuts. If Daniel Jones is a $40 million quarterback, show it against the defense you're about to play this week. Because you'll have no better opportunity. Because the defense you have to play this week is bad. And it may be without one or two of its biggest stars. It's There's no guarantee that Harrison Smith is going to play in this game. He was dinged up in the game last week against Green, uh, or a, a couple weeks ago against Green Bay and hasn't looked the same. We may not see Dalvin Cook in this game. Dalvin Cook dealing with a knee injury. This is the Giants' opportunity. So if Daniel Jones is that guy, we have to see it this week. There's again, Once again, we go back to it. It's pass-fail. We either see it this week or we don't. I'm going to take the New York Giants on the road, in Minnesota, to get the win upsetting the Minnesota Vikings. 
The Vikings, to me, feel like a good football team that's been kind of masquerading with the record of a great football team. And look, it's not their fault. They won a bunch of games early in the season. Like, it's not their fault. And they're not a bad team by any means. But I think you look at that record and you expect great, and that's not what the Vikings are. They are very good when they have the ball in their hands. When they don't, it's like they're playing a different sport. I don't see it with the Vikings, and I wish they had a more difficult draw. Like, this would have been an easier play for me if it wasn't the Giants. Like, if somehow, some way, this wound up being the Packers, I would think, like, no. Uh, Half Moon makes a good point in the chat. If the Giants don't turn the ball over like their last matchup, 100%. I am going to take the Giants here to get the upset win. Giants over Minnesota, one of the bigger upsets of wild card we- uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. So, against the spread, Minnesota's favored by three points. I'm going to take the three points with the Giants. They're against the spread record, I think, speaks for itself, especially as a betting underdog. I like them to win, so give me the plus three. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I have to take the over in this one because, again, the Vikings defense is very bad. Uh, Saquon has been very good this year. So let's take the over. Let's go over 48 and a half points in New York, Minnesota. Let's go 27-24 Giants. Giants win. Giants cover. And give me the over on the points. Cat is in the chat and says, hey, Justin, I'm at work, so I won't be able to watch the whole thing. But you should check the thing I quote retweeted on Twitter about your rule of four. I will take a look at that after the stream. North is Minnesota's to lose for the next five to ten years. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to not be the quarterback there eventually. Like, they... That is a thing that they will have to address. So five to 10 years, I think is, is a little optimistic, but the next three to four, I would say that's probably, that's probably fairly accurate. Uh, Gino will get paid. So that's why if Gino can get 30, Daniel Jones can get 40. Daniel Jones is going to have to get real comfortable with the concept of the franchise tag over the next little while. Uh, Niner gang, bang, bang. Half moon if the Giants don't turn the ball over like their last matchup. Yeah, exactly. All right, two games left. The Baltimore Ravens in Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, division matchup of the AFC North. Cincinnati comes into this game on an eight-game winning streak, just very comfortably getting the job done. A top 10 total offense, a top 10 scoring offense, a top 10 scoring defense, total defense middle of the road. Cincinnati's not going to overwhelm you in any way. They're just going to put their heads down and go to work. And they mimic the swagger and confidence of their quarterback. Like that is a team that from the top of the roster down to the 53rd man, mimic the personality of their quarterback. It's kind of fun to see. And that's a fun football team to watch. The Baltimore Ravens, middle of the road offense most of the season. Of course, they played a lot of it without their starting quarterback. Uh, they found a lot of their success on the defensive side of the ball. Top 10 total defense, top five scoring defense. So it's predicated on the defensive side right now for Baltimore. And of course, that's one of the big questions. Will we see Lamar Jackson play in this game? Nobody really knows exactly what the deal is there, but we could see Lamar. If we don't see Lamar, we might not see Tyler Huntley either because he's questionable in this game he's dealing with an injury so there's a lot of question marks around this Ravens team Baltimore coming in losers of two straight games to finish the regular season 
Uh, I don't know whether I said it or not, but Baltimore is also on the tail end of back-to-back road games, which, as we mentioned earlier, doesn't exactly bode well for teams. Uh, the Ravens were 7-9-1 and one against the spread this season. They were 6-3 and three on the road. So they did do well on the road against the spread this year and were also 3-1-1 one, and one as betting underdogs this season as they are this week. They come into this game dogs of a full touchdown. Cincinnati, however, very impressive against the spread results all season long. Uh, the Bengals were 12-4 and four against the spread overall on the season, 5-2 and two at home against the spread, and 9-4 and four as betting favorites, which of course they are laying the minus 7. Again, very similarly to the last few games we've talked about, it is going to be cold in Cincinnati. It's going to be a little bit humid. I don't expect that that's going to have a major impact on anybody's individual results. And because of the uncertainty at quarterback, this is Bengals all day long. This is this is Cincinnati, and I didn't even really give Baltimore a second thought here. If Lamar does play, it certainly bodes well for the Ravens, but at what percentage is Lamar going to be even if he does play? So we're not going to overthink this one too much. Let's grab the Bengals here. Cincinnati at home over Baltimore. On the line, like I mentioned, Cincinnati laying a full touchdown here of minus seven. And I think I got to lay those points too. Uh, it was six and a half earlier today. I was more than happy to lay minus six and a half. It's only half a point. I might as well lay the minus seven as well. Bengals minus the full touchdown due to the uncertainty uh, at quarterback. And also, I mean, at running back, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to play, but Gus Edwards is hurt now as well. And they form a nice little one-two punch in the backfield. So without Gus or with a very limited Gus, uh, we may not see quite as much potency out of the Ravens run game this week either. Uh, total in the game set at 42 and a half. I think it's the Bengals defense that's going to come to play here against obviously a wounded uh, Ravens side of the field. So I think we're going to grab the under here because Cincinnati doesn't have to blow them out to win this game and cover. Let's go under 42 and a half points in Baltimore, Cincinnati. Let's go 24-14 in favor of the Bengals. So Cincinnati wins. Cincinnati covers the minus seven and give me the under on the points. And the final game we're going to look at the Dallas Cowboys on the road in Tampa Bay taking on the Bucks. Now, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the Bucks, one of only three playoff teams who finished the season with a negative turnover differential this year. I believe they were either minus two or minus three. Miami, of course, was minus seven is like, uh, like what I mentioned. So, um... Tampa obviously didn't light the league on fire this year. They did deal with some injury stuff, especially at wide receiver. It felt like there were very few games where they had both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans playing at 100%. Tom Brady kind of looked like he took a bit of a step back, but then turned around and like was playing real well here towards the end. Uh, the end of the season. Dallas is coming into this game. This is going to be their third straight road game. Now look, think about how good... Dallas's record was this year. They still don't get that home game, which has got to be frustrating for them. This is their third straight game on, on the road. And like we mentioned, the back-to-back -back road games, it's a thing. Dallas was the number two team in the NFL this year in terms of the turnover differential. Believe they were plus 10. They were a top five scoring offense, top five scoring defense. What that tells me, especially considering that they were not top 10 
in total offense or total defense, but they were in scoring offense and scoring defense. The name of the game for the Cowboys is opportunism. They make the most of the mistakes that the opposing team makes. Here's the question. You got Tom Brady in the playoffs. Tom Brady's touchdown to interception ratio in his career in the playoffs is three to one. He's more likely to throw three touchdowns than he is to throw one interception. So what happens if the other team isn't making those mistakes? I took a look at all of Dallas's losses this year. They had five. I took a look at all five of those losses. In those five losses, Dallas was minus two in the turnover ratio. Think about that for a second. They were plus 10 overall in the season. But in those five losses, they were minus two. And in all but one of those losses, they lost the turnover battle in that specific game. And some of them it was bad. Some of them it was like one to three or it was zero to two or whatever it was. So in Dallas's 12 wins, they were plus 12. In their five losses, they were minus two. So if the opposing team is not making those mistakes... Dallas found it difficult to win some football games this year. If they weren't like easily head, like hands down winning that turnover battle, they were losing as many games as they were winning. So Dallas against the spread this year, 10 and seven respectable. Absolutely. Uh, four and four on the road. Nothing wrong with that. And seven and five as a betting favorite, which is what they are coming into this game. They're favored by uh, under a field goal. It's minus two and a half. Tampa Bay, they're against the spread results this year were bad. They were really bad. 4-12-1, believe it or not, against the spread this year. Now, they had the detriment of having some big lines against them, especially early in the year. They were not good all year long against the spread. At home, 1-6-1 against the spread. As betting underdogs, they were only betting underdogs three times this year. They were 0-3. They did not cover against the spread one time as a betting underdog this year. All of these things gave me moments to pause, gave me reason to pause. This is head and shoulders, I think, the most difficult game. Like, Minnesota and the Giants is up there too, but this is a very difficult game to cap. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what it comes down to for me, is do I believe Tom Brady is going to make those mistakes in the playoffs? I just don't. And if they're not going to, I don't like Dallas's chances. I really don't. I think I got to take the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is like the worst possible draw for Dallas in the NFC playoff picture on Super Wildcard Weekend. This is the worst draw for them. I would almost rather them play any other team Maybe even San Francisco. For whatever reason, this just feels like the worst draw that they could possibly have. I think you'll probably see Mike McCarthy not as Dallas's head coach next year if this comes to pass. Because if Jerry's looking at that and feels like there's a plateau, if there's a hump that they can't get over, he will fire that coach. <laughs> um, so yeah. Wouldn't be shocked if this was Mike McCarthy's last game. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go and grab the Bucks there outright. So obviously, since I'm taking that, I'm going to take the Bucks plus the two and a half points. Like him to win. Give me the points. 
Total in the game set at 45 and a half. This is another pretty good number, but I get the feeling that this might slide up into the 50s. So we're going to grab the over on this one. Over 45 and a half points in Tampa Bay, Dallas. Let's go 28 to 23 in favor of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady, three touchdown passes, maybe a pick. I think that's what we wind up seeing in this game. Tampa wins, Tampa covers, and give me the over on the points. There you go, folks. Those are my picks for Super Wild Card Weekend for the 2022 NFL season and NFL playoffs. Let's go over them here with you one more time. I've got San Francisco beating Seattle 30-14. to 14. So Niners straight up. I'm taking the minus 10 with San Francisco. The game goes over 42.5. I've got the Chargers beating the Jags 21 to 16. Chargers win. Chargers minus the 1.5 and give me under the 47 and a half point total. I've got the Buffalo Bills beating the Miami Dolphins 24 to 17. I'm taking the plus nine with Miami in a game that goes under 45 and a half points. I've got the New York Giants upsetting the Minnesota Vikings 27 to 24, which means I'm taking the plus three with New York in a game that goes over 48 and a half. I've got the Cincinnati Bengals over the Baltimore Ravens 24 to 14. I'm laying the minus seven on Cincinnati in a game that stays under 42 and a half. And I got the Tampa Bay Bucks upsetting the Dallas Cowboys at home. Uh, at home in Tampa Bay by a score of 28 to 23. That means I've got the Bucks straight up. I'm taking the plus two and a half with Tampa Bay and give me over on the 45 and a half point total. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the picks. Those are the plays for Super Wild Card Weekend. The 2022 NFL playoffs, they are finally here, and I am very excited for them. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Thank you so much for watching, and enjoy Super Wildcard Weekend. We will see you again for the Divisional Round. God, the Divisional Round. Feels like we're just going to be over before we feel like we've even started it.